0: We're beginning a new sermon series this morning uh, from Luke chapter 6, and we're going to spend four weeks dwelling in, picking apart, understanding Luke chapter 6. So if you want to grab grab a Bible from uh, one of the chairs or on on your device, and uh, you can look up, we're going to read verses um, 1 to 11 this morning. So let me read that to us. And as I read this, I want to encourage you, Just to be looking at this in terms of you know, noticing what's going on, in terms of watching, looking. People are looking and watching, spying all the time in this passage. And it's really a moment where Jesus starts breaking some rules. In fact, he's been breaking rules already. And if you want a title for our talk this morning, it's Break the Rules. Jesus is breaking rules left, right and centre. And it comes to a bit of a crunch here in chapter 6 of Luke. And later in the chapter, as we'll discover over the next few weeks, we hit what some people call the Sermon on the Plain. You might have heard of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's caught in Matthew, about Jesus teaching a big crowd how to live life. And Luke captures it and sets it on a plane, and and where there's another moment where Jesus is teaching and teaching people how to live life. It's almost like he's got to break some ground first before he teaches people how to live life. And so we get him breaking rules. So watch out for the watching, the looking, the breaking of rules. Here we go. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields and his disciples began to pick some ears of corn, rub them in their hands and eat the grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some of his companions, some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is the lord of the sabbath. On another sabbath, he went into the synagogue and he was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he did, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Here he is, breaking the rules. I wonder what you're looking for. I wonder what you're watching for. Here we've got the Pharisees spying on Jesus, looking to watch. And then you've got Jesus looking and watching what's going on around. There's lots of looking, lots of watching going on. What are you looking for? Are you looking for the rules or are you looking for the relationship? Are you looking for the rules or are you looking for the relationship that Jesus wants to have with you? Because what you watch for, what you're looking for is usually how you feel seen. If you're looking for the rules, like we've got to do this, we've got to do this, I must do this, don't do that, don't do that. If you're watching for the rules, usually you feel seen by the rules. And sometimes we get caught in, in kind of shame or guilt because we know that we can't fulfill the rules. And yet we're watching for the rules, and so we're then judging our own lives just as we watch other people's. But if we're watching and looking for the relationship, we, f- we will feel met with relationship. Are you looking for rules or looking for relationship? This interplay is all over this passage between rules and relationships. So let's explore that just for a moment. I want to do a picture for you. Really simple. That's supposed to be a perfect circle. It's not quite. Sorry about that. If relationship is right at the centre of this circle, relationship is right here. If we've got that at the very centre of this circle, Rules belong out here. And actually, the further you get from relationship, the further you move from relationship, the more rules you need, the more rules you need to define what the relationship looks like. The Pharisees had 613 laws that they were pursuing all the time and thousands of sub contact, um, sub points and bullet points that came off those 613 laws. In fact, around the Sabbath, which is what we just read about, they had 39 particular laws, and every one of those 39 had a load of subclauses underneath them. So to remember all the rules was almost impossible. And they were beginning to define and, and develop rules, which basically meant that people felt more and more controlled. And those rules, in and of themselves, were taking people away from God because nobody could attain to those rules. It was almost like they were getting further from a relationship, not moving into it. By making those rules, they were breaking the rules. Now, in relationship, there are rules. There are things in relationship. It's not just that, you know, that, that there's more and more rules. The further out of this circle you get, there's more and more rules, and the further in, there's less. But in one sense, there is. Relationship does require something, but what is that? Well, Jesus spoke really clearly about it. Jesus summed up all the law, all the prophets, everything with a simple statement. Love God, love your neighbor. And he said, if you can collect all of this together, you see, you don't need all these complex rules to work out relationship. In fact, those complexities will take you away from relationship. Jesus is like, no, love God, love your neighbor. Out of all of that, everything else will flow. So Jesus begins to flip the rules, not on don't do this, don't do that. Don't pick corn on the Sabbath. Don't heal. Don't do all these other things when you're not meant to do. Just make sure you're controlled and held in. Make sure you're run by rules. No, he says, no, no, do start loving God. Do start loving your neighbor. Everything else will flow from that. It's a positive response that Jesus wants to take these Pharisees and his disciples into. He wants to take you into today. Not a religious world that's so controlled by everything you can't do, but a free world that's so released and freed by all you can do. Do love God. Do love your neighbor. It works out in all of our relationships, doesn't it? The closer we get to intimate relationship, is relationships at the very center here, the closer we get to intimate relationship, the less rules we need. I'm married to Sarah, and you know I don't have to sit down with Sarah and kind of work out all the rules of our relationship. I don't have to sort of, you know, I don't sit there and go, right, now listen, when we go to this restaurant tonight, the rule is you open the door. And when you walk through that door, if you don't open it for at least five seconds, I'm going home and this date night is over. And when we sit down, I'm going to sit down first, you sit down second. And then you may choose one thing from the menu as long as it's less than seven (laughs) pounds. And whilst we're choosing, you will remain quiet because I can't concentrate if you're humming, which you often do. Now... I, I don't have to, I don't have to stipulate all those rules. Why? That, that's obviously a total joke, by the way. We don't kind of live life like that, just in, ca- in case any of you are. But it's because you know that actually if a relationship's lived like that, it's not a relationship. That's a bunch of rules. That's control. That's hemming us in on every side. The more intimate I feel with, with Sarah, the less rules I have to be working out and speaking. Why? Because I love her. And love moves me towards her and chooses the best for her again and again and again. Love desires that I would be absolutely with her and for her and backing her. Have whatever you want from the menu, my love. Let me open the door. Hum as much as you like. (laughs) Whatever it is. Because the love that I have for her, the intimacy of relationship means that there's a freedom in that. Of course it means there are certain things I wouldn't do. Because I don't want to hurt her because I love her. But as I look to what I'm loving, so I step into the freedom of that relationship. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants with each and every one of us. It's the kind of relationship that excites me. Because if we all get hold of that and start living in that, there'll be a freedom, such a freedom around the momentum that God's already building in our church, that people will look and go, what have these guys got? What have these guys got? Rules bring us into control with those around us, but relationship brings us into freedom with those around us. So, how do we go to that kind of relationship that brings freedom? How do we access it? How can we learn some stuff about getting into that more intimate into the relationship? Because all of us need to understand that challenge. If if you were if there's again a line here, I wonder if if you're in your walk with God, also in your walk with other people, maybe. But particularly this morning in your walk with God, are you moving in this direction? Away from that intimacy and more towards rules? Or are you moving from rules into relationship? Which is which direction? And whilst this arrow might be further away from the centre, it's moving in the right direction. Which arrow would you be today? Do you feel like you're moving towards relationship with him? Going into more fullness of walking in freedom with him? Well, let's explore how we can do that a little bit from this passage and set the context here in our passage from Luke chapter 6. The context in this passage is all about Sabbath. That's what the breaking rules is all going on, and there's this kind of Sabbath rules that are happening. And so let's use Sabbath to explore how we can go deeper into relationship with God. Some theologians talk about four different kinds of Sabbath, four, four kind of stages of Sabbath, as it were. So the first one is this, Sabbath came from creation. So creation Sabbath, that's number one, creation Sabbath. Genesis 2.2, 2, God creates everything and then he rests. Is it because he's tired? No, he stops because he wants to take pleasure and delight in his creation. He's made all things good, we understand, from the beginning of Genesis. When everything is good and God steps back and goes, this is good and I take pleasure in this space. I take pleasure in relationship with these beautiful human beings in this incredible world that's been created. And for that moment, it's absolutely perfect. Everything is perfect. Perfect union, perfect relationship, and perfect peace and presence with God. That's creation Sabbath. And had had things not gone wrong at the very beginning, maybe that Sabbath would have continued forevermore. God has created already. Now he's enjoying the sense of delight and pleasure in his creation with us. That's what he longed for. That's what he was inviting us to enjoy. And then Satan came whispering, do something wrong. To break that perfection. And ever since, he's continued with, you are doing something wrong. So he comes to steal, kill and destroy, to rob, to take away. And it's all based on rules. You're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. Some of you hear that voice so much. It can be your own heart, the world, your flesh, Satan. And you hear that so much, you feel absolutely bound down by it. But because relationship was broken, rules took over, and our distance from God took place, we moved towards, I'm doing wrong. I feel wrong. Something's not right. And so then we move to the second phase of, of Sabbath. You've got creation Sabbath, which was beautiful. And then we fell from that space. And then what we might call Sabbatarian Sabbath. Actually just honoring the Sabbath for the Sabbath's sake. And this is what the Pharisees were deep into in this passage. They had all their laws and rules around this Sabbath. They were taking that really seriously, as long among a load of other things. And, and actually, it was probably motivated from a good place. It was like, I want to be nearer God. But it all became rules and regulations. It started locking everyone down. No picking corn, no healing. Are you looking for the rules or looking for the relationship? They became so fixated on the rules that they couldn't even begin to see the relationship that was offered right in front of them in this passage. What are you looking for? The rules or the relationship? And so when Jesus was walking around on this day that Luke captures, this Sabbatarian Sabbath was in full flow and people were watching and being watched and you know, many of the people living in Jerusalem they couldn't keep all of these laws. They couldn't make it all happen. It was heavy. It was burdensome. And so there was a kind of a pride rising up amongst some of the religious leaders. Like, we can make it happen because we know every subclause. I've learned every bullet point. We can make it happen. So don't pick corn. Don't heal. Plus a load of other things that nothing could happen on the Sabbath. It was locked down in rules. Which is when Jesus comes to establish a new kind of Sabbath. The perpetual Sabbath. Sabbath. A Sabbath that would be present all the time. Why? Because he's present all the time. Because he himself fulfills all the law and the prophets. He himself is the rest we need. He himself is that Sabbath. And this passage begins to confront that very issue. Luke captures two little stories from Sabbath days that tell us about two great principles about the Sabbath. About relationship with him. And here they are. First one is this, disciples are hanging out together as they often did. They're walking through the fields, probably had a busy time teaching, chilling out, healing people, seeing God do amazing things. It was a good time, a good season. They're probably hungry. They pick the corn. They start rubbing the corn in their hands. Now, if you've ever done that, it just tastes disgusting. I don't know why they were doing it. But anyway, they were doing it and uh, and there they were eating some of the corn and the Pharisees are watching. They're spying. They're spying. And as they spy, they start accusing and this is where Jesus starts breaking the rules. He says, You're looking for the rules. Where's the relationship here? And Jesus comes back with this like odd statement about David. He's like, suddenly clicks into David. What's that all about? Like, don't you remember David? And, and they're probably all thinking, oh, What was that? That was a slightly odd story somewhere tucked away in Samuel. David went into this place and he was really hungry and it was a Sabbath day and he kind of ate all the consecrated bread. And we're like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? Well, there's lots he's talking about here. But one thing of absolute note is this. Those, the bread that David stole on a Sabbath day, or that he took for all his companions, who uh, actually were like outlaws, they were marginalized, they had been pushed away from the center. Just the kind of people that Jesus was loving breaking the rules with and spending time with. They'd gone to this temple, they were famished, they were hungry. And the priest ends up giving them the consecrated bread. And that consecrated bread in the temple in Old Testament times literally was a symbol of God's presence. They feasted on God's presence on that Sabbath day, even though they were technically breaking the rules. And that's what Jesus is saying when he quotes this story. The Pharisees knew it as well, because as the Pharisees heard this story, it's like Jesus saying, hey, I'm right in front of you. These disciples are feasting on the presence of God. We're feasting on the presence of God. Is that not right to do on the Sabbath? In fact, I've come to establish a perpetual presence, whereby knowing me, you can feast on the presence of God for the rest of your life, forevermore. This isn't just locked down to your rules, everybody. This is relationship. Come, see me. But because of all their rules, all they're interested in is the corn in the disciples' hands rather than the Son of God who stands in front of them. And as Jesus provokes them, saying, do you want my presence or not? Do you want my presence or not? He finishes with a, a wild statement, smashing the rules, saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who created it back in the creation. I was right there. I created this whole thing. Can't you see it? So locked in their rules and far from relationship, it just makes them more upset. They get more bound up. And then the second story. On another Sabbath, Jesus goes into the synagogue, as he often did. And he's there right in the synagogue. And you, you see there's these Pharisees, they're watching. What is this guy going to do? Who is this Jesus that they're talking about? Who is this Jesus? And the Pharisees are watching, but they're not watching because they're looking for relationship. They are looking for rules. And as they watch, they wonder, is Jesus going to break yet another rule? Give us yet another reason. And Jesus knows full well what's going on. It's interesting, isn't it? The man that Jesus addresses in this passage has a shriveled hand. He needs healing. He needs life. He needs salvation. And the hand that shriveled is his right hand. The right hand was all about authority. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sat at the right hand of God the Father, establishing his authority over all creation. And when we talk about sit at my right hand or the right hand, it's all to do with this authority. So it's almost like, Jesus, I love it because it's almost like, maybe, maybe, I don't know, I'm reading into the text, but maybe with a cheeky glint in his eye, he was like, let's let's let somebody who needs healing, and this is going to be a demonstration of my authority, and I'm going to establish an authority in this person too. He stands him up in front of everyone, everyone there. And particularly in their culture, it wasn't great to be uh, needing healing. It wasn't great to be disabled. People were often judgmental, thinking you've done something wrong. There's some sin in your life. There's something that's not right. That was just the cultural norm at the time. And so this poor guy, standing in front of everyone, with a shivelled right hand, his authority shivelled, Jesus speaks out in front of everyone and says, Is it good to bring life or death? To save life, to do good or bring evil? What is it? What is it? What do you want? And in one sense, of course, the resounding answer is, of course, it's, isn't it right to do good? Isn't it right to bring healing? Everyone's there thinking it. Everyone's recognizing it because they're connected to Jesus in this moment and they can see it. It's obvious. And yet the Pharisees are standing there like, don't go there. Don't heal. We've got our rules and you're going to break them. And Jesus heals the man right in front of them. His hand, his right hand becomes strong yet again. I love that. Capt- captures it. Luke captures this thing. He looks around at them all before he does it. Like Jesus looks at the whole group and he looks at them all and then he speaks out healing. Almost as if to say, are you watching this? Are you watching this? Can you see? Are you looking for rules or are you looking for a relationship? Can you see what's about to happen? And he is totally healed. Just as Jesus is healing today, even amongst us. It's amazing some of the stories that are going on. A girl in one of the other services who was on crutches, had ripped her ligaments and was told that she was going to take at least a year for full recovery. She'd be on crutches for weeks, was prayed for in the healing rooms and total, total healing. Threw away the crutches, went to the doctor on the Monday who couldn't believe it and said, there is nothing wrong with your foot. That was a moment where Jesus spoke and that was just a couple of weeks ago. This is a moment when Jesus spoke a couple of thousand years ago and he may speak today because he wants to bring healing. Maybe, for some of you, he wants to reestablish his authority in your life. Maybe he wants to take a hold of something and say, do you know what, I have authority over all things. And whilst maybe some of us have been camping out on the rules and just trying to do this Christian thing by following all the rules and then we've been looking at it and we kind of find ourselves a little bit judgmental of others sometimes because they don't follow the rules that we follow and we're trying to do this thing and we're kind of getting caught up in this world. Maybe Jesus wants to come today and say, do you know what, Be healed. And know my presence. You see, this is the Sabbath Jesus was talking about. Eat, fulfill yourself on my presence and be healed. I come to bring life and life in all its fullness. I come to bring my presence and presence in all its fullness. Out of deep compassion, Jesus heals the man. Breaking all the rules. But deepening relationships everywhere. The Sabbath was not about don't do this, don't do that. It was do enjoy my presence. Do enjoy my saving life forever. Do expect me to break in and bring healing. Do walk in freedom that I bring because I am the fulfillment of all you have ever needed. You know, there's a power over our nation that can only be unlocked by the compassion of Jesus by his people walking into deeper, more intimate relationship with him and out of compassion and intimacy with him, ministering his presence and healing everywhere they go. People around us are locked down, bogged down by the rules, and they're needing to break free. And those of us who learn to walk in the presence and saving life of Jesus need to renew our authority and step out. Which leads us to the fourth and final Sabbath. Just in case you thought I'd forgotten the fourth one. The fourth and final Sabbath is what we'd call the celestial Sabbath or the heavenly Sabbath. See, time future is contained in time past. And as Jesus stepped in and together with the Father and the Spirit created... And that creation Sabbath that then got taken hold of by a Sabbatarian Sabbath, that then Jesus came to restore and established a perpetual Sabbath, now invites us into a celestial Sabbath where we will know him forevermore, where we will walk in his hope and his peace, his life and his presence forevermore. But until that day where we experience all of that, he's calling us now to be walking in the fullness of loving God and loving each other. To the point where we move to the center of the circle. So just as Jesus restores the man in our passage today, in full view of everyone, today he wants to restore each and every one of us an authority to minister his presence and his saving life. Will you see that? Are you looking for the rules or are you looking for the relationship? because it's time to stand up in front of everyone and break some rules. I'm Bear Grylls. My favourite way to start the day, the Bible in One Year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at bibleinoneyear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.